Hey book friends, this is Corey. Thanks for listening along as we have a book club of two over a cup of tea. Our goal is to explore beloved genres as well as push ourselves out of our comfort zone and explore genres we might typically overlook or avoid. In each episode, we discuss a randomly selected genre. We will be sharing our reading experience and a brief review of the books we recommended to each other from the previous episode. Also a heads up, so that we can have a rich and in-depth conversation or maybe spoilers about the books we are discussing. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to our French versus English conversation. This is season two, episode two. How's it going with you today, Carrie? It's going. How are you? Ooh, survived the first week of classes. <laughs> yeah. Feels way better than last semester. I actually totally. knew what the heck I was doing. Always makes a difference. Yeah. I was able to walk in there with confidence, authority, and knowledge. Go wow. figure. Wow. I feel like, <laughs> when did I start my new job? April. And since then, I've gotten another new job, and I still have no idea what the hell I'm doing. So at least you're on top of it more than I am. Oh, I wouldn't say I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm getting there. Slowly but surely. Yeah. So. yeah. But yeah, we just had our first snow. Um, I know. Yeah. You know, it's a weird world when places like Texas and Alabama and Georgia are getting more snow than we are. Yeah. Which, you know, but there's no nothing like climate change going on. Definitely science not. Science is it's stupid. Yeah, science Pshaw. is made up as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Our small allusions to politics. Yeah. But, you know, if that drives away people, if they don't agree with us, we probably don't need them as listeners. Yeah. That's cool. So what um, what tea are we drinking today, Corey? We are drinking a classic Earl Grey. Mm. I figured since it's my English pick and it was my tea pick that I would go with something that a proper English person would drink. I know. We should have brought scones mm. or something to yeah. make it even more Englishy. And then we can make chewing noises while we we're talking. <laughs> People would love that, right? So I have to say that Corey and I have a new setup we going do. on right now, and we can actually look at each it's other so when exciting. we're talking. It's nice instead of like sitting super close to each other yes. and having to turn our heads, which then hurts our necks. Now we can have actually have like a one-on-one conversation. We can make eye contact. <laughs> it's so exciting. I'm making eyes right now. Curious. The little things in life. <laughs> well, and part of it is, uh, and once it's done, which is probably going to be a while. Um, So we have, you know, Robert and I do not have children and don't plan on it. And we get guests on occasion, but not too much. And so we've had a guest room with a bed that's pretty much dominated the room since we moved in, which has been fine when and great when we've needed it. But then the room is pretty much just doesn't get used. And so I had this moment where I was like, I need my own space. I need it for grading. I need it for reading. I need it for podcasting. And and of course, Robert was very supportive of that because he has his own space in our other um, spare room. And so I'm slowly creating a Corey Nest library slash podcasting studio slash girly thing. (laughs) Squirrels. Squirrels. (laughs) There are squirrels in here and cats. I mean, I'm a cross between the crazy cat lady and the crazy squirrel lady. (laughs) It's really nice. I think it's going to be good for us to actually be able to look at each other this season instead of talking just straight into the microphone and I got a cozy pink chair for yeah. Curie to sit in it's very nice yep yep she looks pretty <laughs> <laughs> okay okay everyone's like really we're here for the books girls <laughs> let's just keep things going it's um been- yeah oh and so the other thing I would say about the tea squirrel um, <laughs> is I picked it up at a local tea shop called steep and on our break I'm going to share a little bit more about steep and how you can enjoy their teas as well yeah it's pretty good it tastes like a little bit of flour I think it's flower, flowery. Well, it has, I mean, the classic Earl Grey has bergamot 
oil in it, which I guess is really more orange. And then I guess, do they do a touch of lavender in... It tastes like it at this round. Yeah. I feel like I always add milk to my Earl Grey mm. or any sort of black tea. So maybe, okay. and that kind of dampens the yeah. taste of it sometimes. So maybe that's why we're drinking it black today because we're badasses. And I'm weird that way. I don't like anything in my tea. That's weird. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could have offered you honey or milk, but I'm a terrible hostess too, apparently. No, it's fine. <laughs> But I also put it in my my good china fancy teacups, mm-hmm. so you'll see that in the picture. We're being on very classy today. We're so classy. Pinkies up, <laughs> pinkies up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough about life and tea. Now we're going to start talking about books. And Carrie gets to go first today. Today is her French pick, and so take it away. Oh my god, I loved it so much. We're just going to put that out there. How so did you really feel about it? I. Only kind of loved it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I picked The Bookseller by Mark Pryor. And this book is based in Paris. Uh, Hugo, the main protagonist, who is American, which I find weird that his name is Hugo, while some of the French people have American names. I don't know. I found, I that found, I found that very weird. I did too. So Hugo is part, is part works at the U.S. Embassy, and he loves... I don't know if he loves old books or if it's his ex-wife loves old books. And so he tries to find them to send them to her. I think he appreciates old books. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, is friends with an elderly man named Max, who's a bookseller. And then all of a sudden, as Hugo is, I think, right there, somebody comes and takes Max Mm -hmm. and holds a gun to Max's head and takes him away. And Hugo never sees him again until his body turns up. In the sun. In the sun. Yep. Um, but then this happens multiple times mm-hmm. to multiple booksellers. And so you're kind of wondering, so Hugo got an old book and this old book turns out to be worth a lot of money that I think the bookseller nor Hugo knew about. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of interesting drama about this one book. And so Hugo is thinking that Max died because of this book. But then it turns out to but- be because... Of other reasons. Exactly. (laughs) So there's like this huge drama about this book, which ends up selling for like, what, $500,000? Yeah. I forget. It was in francs, so I didn't know what the conversion was. So Hugo meets a journalist and she starts kind of poking around, but then more and more people show up dead and there's a lot of interesting conspiracy theories that are happening Uh and she kind of comes off as guilty. Like, I thought she was guilty Mm. of doing something because I was like, you're kind of shady as hell, lady. Like... That's classic mystery, though, you know, to, like, throw throw you off, like, ooh, you're you're suspicious acting. Oh, nope, not you. Totally. (laughs) And so there's also, like, this love story between Hugo and this journalist Mm -hmm. and... You know, they eventually find out who done it once Hugo's friend, what's his name? Um, oh, Max. Is it Max? Yeah. No, Max is the dead guy. Oh, that's right. What uh, is Tom? Tom. 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 Yeah. Former CIA agent. Tom. Yeah. Yes. And he, so Tom comes to Paris and their relationship to me was just so funny. Oh, and I know. Classic and such like dude bro, got a history, pulling mm-hmm. each other's leg, giving mm-hmm. each other shit. And so basically they find out who done it. Are we gonna talk? Well, we'll leave it. Well, I think we should talk a little bit. So I, I can jump in a little bit. I my I I liked the book a lot. My initial notes were mystery exclamation mark. 
Paris exclamation mark <laughs> books exclamation mark <laughs> so you know check 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 I liked all of those things um, I thought the overall storyline was interesting it was also I thought a little complicated and convoluted there was a yeah. lot of stuff going on like Max ended up being the son of a Nazi no he was a Nazi hunter he was a Nazi hunter yeah. and uh, he been looking for people still looking for people who had been Nazi sympathizers um claudia's father turns out to be this flamboyant gay aristocrat which was an interesting sideline yeah he was the one who bought the really big book and it would be because it exposed his family's history Mm -hmm. as nazi sympathizers yeah um so and then there's the whole and then there's this whole side thing that for a while you don't get it ties into why all these people are getting murdered but with the um oh who was it the i wrote it down Oh, the the North Africans versus the Romanians yeah. and drug laundering. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of cliche. Uh, but but then that ties into the whole book Bucanist thing. And um, I guess we won't spoil all of it so people <laughs> want to go out and read it. But, you know, there was just a lot of threads to keep track yeah, of and totally. keep organized. You know, the story moved along for me. I, I liked it. I love Paris, of course, so I'm a big Francophile, and so I loved all his descriptions. One of my comments was is that he was stopping every five minutes for a cafe and a croissant yeah. or a pen of chocolat, and I was like, I'm so hungry. I know. I feel like we did that when we were in Paris. We were only in Paris for a few hours, and I was like, let's eat as many croissants as possible because, mm-hmm. holy damn, it's fr- it's Paris. You have to. Yeah. But I think the book, you know, one of my main notes, like the second random thought that I had was, well, this shit escalated quickly. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, you start reading it, you kind of get the relationship between Max and Hugo. And then all of a sudden Max is getting taken away and you're just like, holy hell, what is happening? But I like that. I mean, I hate sometimes when they drag things out at the start of a mystery, especially if you're expecting a mystery, that can be kind of tedious. So yeah, they jumped right into it. Totally. And, um, and I thought that was great. Yeah. I feel, you know, so I loved this book a lot. And as I was reading it, I was reading it and my partner was sitting next to me. And so Chris was making comments. I was like, it's so good. And he's like, okay. I'm like, you have to read it. It's mystery. It's good. And so he started reading it and he, you know, I'm always like, how you liking it? He's like, it's pretty typical. Like, you know, what's going to happen. I was like, do you know who done it yet? And he's like, no. I was like, well, then you don't know what's going to happen because there's way too much that's going to happen. So I think he's halfway through it almost. Yeah. So I think there's still a lot of unfolding that mm-hmm. needs to happen. And I'm going to giggle when when it- he realizes that he had no idea what was going to be happening. Yeah, I would say finding out who the criminal mastermind was at the end and how that unfolded was yeah. really interesting, detailed, and creepy. Yeah, totally. So. Super creepy. But I think it was a really fascinating book you know it reminded Mm -hmm. me the characters for some reason reminded me of the little paris bookshop Mm -hmm. so you know it it was just like there was a max in the little paris bookshop (laughs) and so i was trying to switch my brain of Mm -hmm. i think i had just finished the little paris bookshop i'm like wait what is the 18 year old max doing in this book and you know i'm like oh wait we're in a different book now we're in a different book now characters are different um, and I liked that it didn't really overlap that much. Like sure. they talked about mm-hmm. the book was totally different than the little Paris bookshop. Right. Um, so I really enjoyed that it wasn't going to be another mm-hmm. little Paris bookshop that it had its own spin on things. And it was um, basically a murder mystery. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think 
the title of the Paris Bookshop is a little misleading because it really is only in Paris for a short amount. I mean, it kind of goes back and forth. Right. But it's really about traveling through France. Yeah. On where a boat. This, on a boat. Where this really, although they both have the, the same, uh, on a river, they're the, the tie with the river. So that's an right. interesting little connection. But this is all set in Paris. And I really, I, I thought the writer was really good. You could totally feel and capture that dark, gray, cold winter feel mm-hmm. um, with his descriptions. He was a really good, uh, there was one quote that I wrote down that I really liked. It was about the sun and about winter. And it said, outside the car's window, Paris flashed by the sluggish river sun appearing and disappearing beside them, seeming to slow their progress with her magnetic pull, a, sed- a seductress winking through the plain trees, teasing them with glimpse of her silvery skirts and with the Sorry, I can't read my hand. With the threat of more death, more bodies hidden within their deadly folds. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, that type of writing I, I enjoy. I, you know me, I like a good description. I know. <laughs> it makes us very different in a lot of ways. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> or just, and like, you know, I won't read it, but there was like a quote where he described the bookseller, Kendall, who was the one who ended up selling the really expensive book for him. Mm-hmm. And he described him moving through his stacks and what he was wearing. And again, you could just kind of visualize him. Yeah. And I, I really liked that. And I really loved, I, you know, I've been to Paris and I kept trying to think, did I, was I there? I mean, surely I was in the area that they're talking about with the Bucanists, because that exists. I mean, yeah. he didn't make that up, but that whole history of what the Bucanists are and how they get their little, um, their little cabinets right. down by the river mm-hmm. and the union that they have and all mm-hmm. of that. Like, I really, I thought that was cool. I, I learned something from that. Yeah, I didn't, you know, we were only in Paris for a few hours, and so we basically met my girlfriend on the underneath the Eiffel Tower and it was very romantic and when we saw each other we like ran to each other underneath (laughs) the Eiffel Tower like literally no joke of we were just so excited to see somebody from our Uh home and and then we went and had lunch and you know walked around but we weren't there very long Mm -hmm. which kind of makes me sad and I want to go back at some point but you know it's it was Nice because they didn't focus so much on the Eiffel Tower. Like, I know it's on the book cover, but they didn't... I feel like Paris is sometimes... All all Paris is is the Eiffel Tower. And this book Mm -hmm. was definitely not about the Eiffel Mm -hmm. Tower. And I really appreciated that because Mm -hmm. I felt like I had an understanding of the actual Paris, like the Paris that people live in and not the... The Paris that I love. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, I I think we've talked about this before maybe, but I spent about two and a half weeks in Paris and I didn't go to see the Eiffel Tower until my last full day in Paris. (laughs) Because if you remember, and I guess you really didn't get a chance to explore, but like you said, the the emblem of the Eiffel Tower dominates kind of the Paris feel, Mm -hmm. but the Eiffel Tower is nowhere near like city center. No. It's kind of on the outskirts. It takes some time to get there. There's really nothing else out there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a pain in the ass. And so I remember going, I guess I really should go see the Eiffel Tower. It's going to be really embarrassing if I go back and I don't have at least (laughs) one picture of the Eiffel Tower. So, but then I was like, but it's going to take me 20 minutes by Metro to get there. So I started researching what else was around there. And so that was when I discovered that the Rodin Museum was within walking distance. Mm. And so I was like, okay, 
I at least have a second destination <laughs> that right. I can go to to make this worth my time. And so I didn't even really get that close to the tower. I got to kind of the long boulevard and I like took a picture of it and I was like, all right, sweet. I saw the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let's figure out where that Rodin Museum is. And then the Rodin Museum ended up being my favorite thing that I did in Paris. Oh. So uh, it worked out really well. Yeah. But <laughs> it was just really funny that I was like... I was like, nope. <laughs> it just, yeah, it, it was not near any of the other destinations that you want to check out when you're in the city. Yeah, I think that was like the main reason why we went to Paris. Like my f- girlfriend was studying abroad. And so my grandma and my aunt came with me to get me settled in England. And we took the Eurostar or whatever mm-hmm. it's called. And, you know, we only spent three or four hours there. So we were just like, we saw the Eiffel Tower. We saw Arc de Triomphe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Oh, and we got a lot of croissants <laughs> and then we had to take the Eurostar back. So, right. um, hopefully one day I'll be able to explore a little bit more. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief, brief break and Carrie's going to talk to you a little bit about steep where our tea came from. And then we'll come back and talk about my English selection. So Flagstaff has some pretty great places to get a fresh brewed cup of tea, and our locally owned Steep Shop is a popular destination. It's in the middle of our historic downtown, and if you follow us on Instagram, you saw that I was there last week drinking a vanilla gray lot, Earl Grey latte. Um, and you know what's nice about Steep is that this is Steep is where this podcast started. We sat there a lot and we talked a lot about books and we drank a lot of tea (laughs) and then we're like we should have a podcast and we didn't realize how much work it was going to be but it's been super fun learning it so they have a wide selection of loose leaf teas that you can purchase along with all the tea accessories you ever want so tea cups they even have socks like it's kind of a really groovy locally owned shop Mm -hmm. um the owners are lovely yeah they showcase local artists which is nice And whether you want a simple cup of English breakfast or a more rare green tea, they have everything that you could possibly want, really. And you can smell all of them before you make a decision. Exactly. (laughs) So for our our faraway listeners, we've got you covered, too. You can actually order Steep online, and we'll include that link in our show notes. And a bonus is that they offer free shipping on all online orders. Yeah. Pretty great. So, yes, check out Steep. Buy local. (laughs) (laughs) So the air affair, Jasper Ford. <laughs> I'm trying to figure, remember where I heard about this. I want to say that I actually heard about it on What Should I Read Next with, um, with the modern Mrs. Darcy. And it just sounded really intriguing to me because the basic premise is it's kind of an alternate England set in 1985 and all sorts of strange things are going on. Some people have kind of magical-ish powers. Uh, they have figured out how to out how to do the genetic mapping of extinct animals so everyone has pet dodos and one of the things that this book always raves about is that if you are a literature lover that this is the book for you because everyone in this England loves literature they talk about it um, they reference it and and they actually even have special operations uh, people who pursue literature crimes Um, so I was like, this sounds great (laughs) and it didn't suck, (laughs) but it took me a long time to get into it. Yeah. I, I made a note that, uh, it takes at least a hundred pages to get into. And I think, you know, what I would say in, in Jasper's defense is this is part of a series. So I, I, I'm 
I'm tempted to try and read another one now that I know the characters. Kiri just made a face. She's like, <laughs> hell no. Um, but I'd like to see. So what I was getting at is, you know, often, and I think sometimes this is why I struggle with fantasy and sci-fi, is the world building. And I think that was a lot of what was happening was the backstory and the world building and the first hundred-ish pages. And not that it wasn't interesting, but it just, I was waiting for the action. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be, you know, it kind of implied that it's going to be very action-packed mm-hmm. and there was little glimmers of it and then it'd go back to description, mm-hmm. which in this case wasn't working for me. And I was like, okay, I want the good stuff. What's going to happen? Yeah. Um, but it... It, by the end, I was really enjoying it. I The last, I would say, third of the book, I was totally entrenched in it and didn't want to put it down. When they were in the air. Yes. When, when they were in Jane When she Eyre. was hanging out with mm-hmm. Mr. Rochester. Yeah. It was so amazing. Which is awesome that we're reading Jane Eyre it's, because neither one of us have actually read Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. So it'll be kind of nice to have this connection with yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It totally made me want to read Jane Eyre. And, um, so yeah, there was definitely, I, I could see where he was going with it. And I don't know, sometimes... I, 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 I guess I'm just not that quirky. I don't get into quirky a lot. And so a lot of it kind of had that quirky, look how smart I'm being humor, which sometimes I feels just almost condescending to yeah. me. But there were, like, so for examples that I loved, I loved how they had the the Richard the Third plays that everyone yeah. showed up to. I was like, this is like the Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show where they all are dressed up in characters yeah. and they say the lines. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really great. And uh, the part with the guy, the uncle who makes all the weird inventions yeah. and the worms that were eating oh, everything. God. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a struggle with that? I kind of thought like I had a visualization of tapeworms. Oh, well, I didn't actually visualize the worms, but I loved how then they were like speaking with hyphenations yeah, and, and random apostrophes. Random apostrophes. Yeah. They that, pooped out apostrophes and ate certain things. It, yeah. That made me giggle. Yeah. I, it was a fun little shtick there. Yeah. Um, and and I thought there was some, uh, you know, the name of the character that was Jack Shit, but mm-hmm. it was S-C-H-I-T-T. Yeah. Again, kind of made me giggle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The fact that the, one of the bad guys ended up in Poe at the end made me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I would say for me, the highlight was when, uh, when Thursday next, the heroine of this thing ended up in... Um, she ended up in at the... I'm trying, what am I trying to say? Uh, Rochester's estate. Mm-hmm. And... That's kind of the other piece that I think is a running thread through all these books from what I've I've heard is kind of learning that there's a whole, within the book world, there's a whole different world and that the characters are aware that they're book characters and that they, uh, when they're not part of the narrative, they're kind of doing their own thing. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, but you know, that to me, that... This could have been a really great like novella, I think, with just yeah. that. Yeah. Skipping all the drama totally. with her brother and yeah. uh, her uncle getting kid, her aunt getting kidnapped, and the love yeah. between her and what's his face. Yeah. I, I, I could do without all of that. I feel like so. What one of my main notes for this was that it felt like a lot of genres. So it's mm. like, oh, it's a thriller. Oh no, it's sci-fi now. Oh no, it's historical fiction. Oh no, it's literary literary criticism. Like Oh no, it's a mystery. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like there were just so many different storylines that it felt to me like he didn't know what his point was. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't know what sort of book he was creating. So he just took bits and pieces of all these different genres and slammed mm-hmm. it into one book and it drove me batshit crazy. <laughs> like 
I really liked that when she was in Jane Eyre, like I thought that was really well done. And I was like, I cannot wait to read Jane Eyre, similar to you. Mm -hmm. But you know, the drama between her and Hades, like, like they should have elaborated more on that if that was going to be a big Mm -hmm. conversation piece. They spent a majority of the book talking about Charles Dickens, like... (laughs) Until the Jane Eyre thing happened, until they stole the Eyre manuscript. Like, Mm -hmm. the first 250 pages was just about Charles Dickens. I'm like, well, this should have been called the Dickens Affair because the amount of time that I feel like they spent Mm -hmm. on Jane Eyre was minimal compared Mm -hmm. to how much they talked about Charles Dickens. And so I found that a little frustrating of, like, I thought this was going to be about Jane Eyre, but you don't get to Jane Eyre until, you know, a third... Well, and it's really not even about Jane Eyre. It's about Mr. Rochester. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't... Yeah, yeah. I think I gave it, like, two or three stars on Goodreads because I was just so confused Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I just felt like the author had ADD writing this. Of, right. There was just too many things happening. There was too many genres happening. There was not enough character development in a lot mm-hmm, of ways. Mm-hmm. And maybe it, those character developments happen in the next book or whatever. It just felt like, yeah. Meh. Well, and I think that's, you know, I really wanted to like it. And, uh, and I, and I've talked to a couple people that I know personally who I appreciate their reading choices who have been like oh my god i love the thursday next series it's one of my all-time favorite series and i'm like oh okay and so then i'm like all right well if and not that just because they love it that means i have to love it right but i'm like i must be missing something or maybe i should read the next book to see how how does it continue to develop and pick up and now that we know who the characters are yeah maybe the next one will be even better i don't know i uh, i don't i feel like this whole book was kind of anticlimactic that it's going to be like that for all of the books mm. Like well, even her going into Jane Eyre and then uh-huh. coming back, I didn't feel any sense of like, ta-da! <laughs> like, I mean, well, just, they got the, but they caught the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, but like we knew they were going to catch the bad guy. So I thought it was fun that the ending of Jane Eyre changed because of her influence. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess, well, and I guess we left out a major plot line in talking about it. So the reason it's called the Air Affair and kind of what's going on is uh, there's this invention, I guess, again, it's her uncle's invention, that it could make a book completely disappear. Yeah. And so they, as a kind of a warning shot, they made a less significant book go away forever. Mm -hmm. And then the, and and they do that by stealing the the first, the original first printing or first writing of the book. And so then they do that with Jane Eyre. They steal the original Jane Eyre and they're threatening to make Jane Eyre disappear forever. And of course, it's so beloved. Everyone's like, oh my gosh. Well, Hades takes Jane Eyre out. So he goes into Jane Eyre. So this portal. I forgot about that. Yeah, the portal. He goes in, he Mm -hmm, takes her mm -hmm. and he returns her back to today's time. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are calling in being like, Jane Eyre's gone. She's not in the book anymore. Exactly. And <laughs> That's so, right. <laughs> yeah, the portal whole thing of like, oh. and even when Thursday's mm-hmm. in there, you know, mm-hmm. she has to be really discreet about what's happening because she knows that whatever she does in Jane Eyre mm-hmm. will change the book. And so. And then she's kind of like, F it. I don't care that exactly. I'm changing it. Totally. Which was great. I love that. <laughs> and they have like the experts that are like reading line by line yeah. as it reappears. I mean, yeah. like, okay, it's still the same. Okay. Yes, it's happening. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So again, Again, I would say the last third of it, super fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and maybe if you're just a huge liter- literary geek, you might really dig on some of the references. I don't know. I, it, it wasn't a complete waste of time, but 
I wasn't as thrilled with it as I hoped I would be. Maybe maybe I built it up too much for myself. Yeah, I think this is definitely not going to be one of my top five faves of this year, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have one quote that made me chuckle. It says, I'm not here with the colonel. I think this is Thursday talking to someone else. And she goes, it was a coincidence. The other person says, I don't believe in coincidence. Neither do I. That's a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, hey, hey, hey. yes, yeah, just made Kiri laugh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was it definitely, um, I think. Oh, and I love the conversations between Rochester and Thursday. I did make a few quotes from that. So I think I'll, I'll read a couple of those. Um, he goes, that slimy and pathetic excuse for a vertebrate. <laughs> I was like, is that really a Rochester talk? Probably um, not. And and I love that he had a little notebook where he would keep track of his cues of what yeah. he was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, and and I liked and so oh he talked about this is when he talked about his world inside the book outside of what we know of the narrative and he goes here I neither am born nor die. I come into being at the age of 38 and wink out soon after having fallen in love for the first time in my life and then lost the object of my adoration. Mm. So while I'm talking to you here, I'm also meeting Jane for the first time. And so he talks about going back and revisiting the moments that he really loves. And I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. So I have one really funny quote that you might like. All right, go for it. Okay. Sometimes a word succeeds beyond the wildest dreams of its creators, like a virus sent into the world to infect common speech. Ooh. Isn't that cool? That's like tip. bootylicious. <laughs> bootylicious. <laughs> <laughs> or irregardless. Irregardless. Even though that's not a word, people still like to use it. Right. Regardless <laughs> of the fact that it's not in the dictionary. Irregardless. Oh! Well, that seems like an excellent place. <laughs> English major right here. <laughs> Oh man. So, um out of the out of these two books, I think I know your answer of which is your favorite. Definitely the bookseller. Yeah, me too. Now, out of the four that we read, what was your all-time favorite? What were the other two that uh, we read? Major Pettigrew's uh, Last Stand and The Last Paris uh, Bookshop. I still the bookseller. Gotcha. What about okay. you? I think I would go with The Last Paris Bookshop. Oh. Yeah. So you went for, we both went French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's weird for me. Uh, well, and I did make a few notes at the end as I was kind of re- re- refreshing my notes. And what I found funny about the, there's some weird parallels to the books that we chose. I don't know if you picked up on them, but in um, they all had themes of books. Yes. All four of them. Yes. Um, river, the rivers were a common theme. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I wrote down is... Oh, both the French books were about booksellers. Yep. <laughs> I know when I saw your pick and I, I think I Googled like French books and it was like the bookseller was one of them uh-huh, uh-huh. or yeah, that was my pick. And then I saw that you picked the little Paris bookshop and I was like, oh, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. She'll just go with it. No, I just, I, in particular, I find it really amusing <laughs> that all four of our books um, had, had a f- strong focus on books because yeah. even Major Pettigrew's Last Stand, mm-hmm. that was, they were book lovers. Yeah. So I thought, that, you know, in that ironic that us two book lovers <laughs> pick four books about books. Mm. <laughs> and then we got a little meta. Exactly. <laughs> all right. 
So uh, next episode, we are discussing good reads for the dark of winter. Dun, dun, dun. These are also books you could read in a day for the modern Mrs. Darcy challenge. Yeah, I definitely read both yeah. of them in a day, I think. So do you want to talk about, give a little quick... Uh, sneak peek of what your book's about? Sure. So my book is The Three Dark Crowns by Kendara Blake. And it's about the little blurb says every generation on the island of Fenbim, a set of triplets is born. Three queens, all equal heirs to the crown and each possessor of a coveted magic. But because the queen crown isn't solely a matter of royal birth, each sister has to fight for it. And it's just not this, it's not just a game of win or lose, it's life or death. The night the sisters turn 16, the battle begins. The last queen standing gets the crown. It is a very good read, people. <laughs> and I picked The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Adia. And the basic story of this one is every dawn brings horror to a different family in a rule in a land ruled by a killer. Khalid, the 18-year-old caliph of Khorasan, takes a new bride each night, only to have her executed at sunrise. So it is a, sus- it is a suspicious surprise when 16-year-old Shirzad, that's a lot of S's, <laughs> volunteers to marry Khalid. But she does so with a clever plan to stay alive and exact revenge on the caliph for the murder of her best friend and countless other girls. Shazi's wit and will indeed get her through the dawn that no others have seen, but with a catch, she's falling in love with the very boy who killed her dearest friend. And it is also a very good read. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's all we have today. Yep. Thanks for listening along and reading along if you are. We'll see you next time. Hey, book friends. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Thanks for listening along with us. Head over to our podcast site to share your recommendations and your opinions with us on the books we have read. That website is booksandteapodcast.com. It's also where you will find our podcast show notes with a full list of titles for the books, along with our favorite tea and what we mentioned today. If you are on any social media, feel free to stop by our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. You will find those links on our website. To be the first to hear about the next new podcast and what we are working on, make sure you are signed up to our newsletter. 